Hello, I'm Deborah Knight from Nine Honey, and this is Honey Mums, a podcast where we share the good, the challenging, and the plain ridiculous when it comes to parenting, because really, a lot of it is quite funny. Our guest this week, author, educator, and parenting guru, Maggie Dent, on why we should find the humour in raising kids, especially boys, and she should know she's had four of them. I started to recognise I have a unique capacity to understand them that other people didn't have, and a badly behaved boy is a boy that's often quite confused in the moment and hasn't got a clue what the heck is going on. A practical but possibly gross mum hack from Alyssa Warren to save you time with the morning rush. Some unexpected uses for lemon peel from a stay-at-home mum. A dilemma from Joe Abbey when being neighbourly turns into a chore. <laughs> Things like a great thing and it turns into a nightmare. Terrific Christmas food ideas from Jane DeGraff, including making use of those excess peppermint candy canes. And forget Christmas, my kids get to create their own holiday. Christmas plus Halloween plus Easter and plus my birthday. It's all ahead on Honey Mums. Honey Mums. Honey Mums. Honey Mums. Parenting author Maggie Dent has been writing about kids... Naughty kids, troubled teenagers, and the rest for almost a decade now. And when she talks, parents listen. And she has helped a lot of us out so far. And I'm very pleased to say that Maggie Dent is with us here on Honey Mums. Welcome. Hi, Deb. I'm, I'm amazed it's taken us so long to have you on, I know, frankly. I know. <laughs> I, I'm, hardly ever, I'm hardly ever anywhere very long. That's the tricky bit. Well, we nailed you down. <laughs> we want to talk about the issue of raising boys because you're a mum of four boys. Four sons, yes. So you've had plenty of experience in the trenches. And not just that. Um, I grew up with brothers. I spent most of my childhood with my dad because my mum was mm, interesting. Um, And I've taught them for years. And so I was constantly observing them through the lens of a part. You know, I was a bit of a tom girl. And I started to recognise I have a unique capacity to understand them that other people didn't have. And, um, you know, that they weren't quite so um, bad as people portrayed. And a badly behaved boy is a boy that's often um, quite confused in the moment and hasn't got a clue what the heck is going on. And so that was a journey. And then I realised that there were lots of mums who'd never never had either brothers mm. or a connected relationship with a father. And they were never born with a penis. So I – and that was where I started to go, okay, so this is what's going on and this could help you and the feedback we got from so many mums whose lives I just changed with just a few tiny differences to see the world through their boys eyes it was just that was where I realized this is kind of why I'm on the planet well, we're living this at our household because we've got a, a nine-year-old boy and then two girls, eight-year-old girl and a two-year-old girl. And we just find we are constantly nagging yeah. our son. Yeah. Okay. Do your homework. Do your practice. You say it right. once to the girls and they get yeah. it done. Yeah. So let me, under, let me understand what's going on there. <laughs> the very first thing is that the hippocampus, is, which is the memory centre of the brain, is just so much more effective in us as girls, partly because of caveman days and cavewoman days. All they had to do was kill mammoths. Uh, kill deers for dinner, practice killing and sit and look in the fire and occasionally make new babies. That was it. That was fairly basic. So we, and <laughs> women did everything else. Right. So the multi-focus of our brain and the capacity to remember things kept the um, species alive. So now we've moved forward to now, the single focus is still quite significant. So um, it still can happen and frustrate us, but you get better at it when you've lived with a man for a while. So um, if a little boy is watching TV and you know, not far from the kitchen and you call out, turn it off because it's time for dinner, um, he actually won't hear you 
because the single focus is in that direction. And yet, if I say very quietly, yeah, would you cream. like some ice cream? He yeah. does hear me, yeah. though. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know what? It's, it's, everything is rated on a degree of um, what's in it for me. Right. And that's another thing about survival and fun. That's why they're biologically wired to have fun, which is why they jump so much on your couches and all that. The opposite is they've got an aversion to anything that doesn't make them feel good. Mm. And that's exactly those sorts of things. When you understand, A, they don't always hear what we say, and we use too many words. And, and how often do we go over and over and over and they just zone out? About 10 words max, we've figured. But if you actually connect with them, you know, pat them on the arm or give them a tickle on the back and say, it's time for dinner, can you turn the telly off? Uh. You know, they's quite often they'll just kinesthetically, the body and the nonverbal are their preferred styles of communication and ours is words, words, yes, words, of words. And we're in a hurry. Aren't we as women? We've got that to-do list yep. going rocking on. And yep. so, and when they don't, you know, a girl will remember stuff. She does remember stuff. That's so true. From my experience. Totally. That the, you know, just getting out the door <sighs> in the morning and then yeah. returning home okay. and getting ready for bed becomes this war Yeah, because I can't remember anything. So let me give you a really good idea. No, a lady said to me once, she, was, she rang up on one of the radio programs and said, uh, can you give me some tips at helping me get my son out the door? And I said, okay, what are your expectations in the morning? And she said, I want him to get up, have his breakfast. I want him to clean his teeth. I want him to get dressed. I want him to make his bed. I want him to pick up the toys in his room. I want to put his lunchbox in his bag. And I went, well, okay, so how old is he? She said, four. I've just burst out laughing hilariously. I said, two. Two things he can Two manage. Two things. Two is it at four. What and about a nine-year-old? No, so by the time you've got to nine-year-old again, you've got to actually just have exactly the same three expectations in the morning. Three? Yeah, oh, that's well, it. that's where I'm failing. Right? And also, the night before, physically... Lay exactly the clothes next to the school bag, next to anything else, so it's in one place. Because have you ever sent a boy to go and get his shoes and he don't come back? But then are we creating this generation no, of, of boys no, who can't function no. without their mums no, doing no, everything no, for them? No, 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 because it's about memory. Right. It's their memory cannot keep things in sequence. So basically, at the end of the day, he will pick up, and this is with my boys, that was a list. I gave you a list of three things I need you to do, and this is your list that's here. Um, and as they grew older, even when they were 17, you know, and they're going on a camp or something, I said, Mum, here's my list. Can you check it? So the art of making lists became helpful for them to get better organised. Organisation skills are not good for most of our okay. lives. And because they are so competitive, is there a way of then yep. saying, I mean, yep. is it, does it undermine them if you say to them, well, look, your sister managed to do it without yeah. any trouble. Does that cause dramas? Yeah, because they're already realising they're sharp. Okay. So what happens often for little boys, and, you know, in a family, and your gap's a bit wider, but often, you know, a five-and-a-half-year-old boy will have a, you know, three, three-and-a-half-year-old sister, something like that. She's running rings around him already, and yeah. he knows that. So you don't want to undermine them oh, further by saying no, they that. they already see it. So okay. this is one of the challenges. They actually are constantly looking, where do I fit in this system? And I know... We know they're later to start. We know they're later with language. We know all these things, and yet we keep forcing them into the same system mm. that one size fits all. Mm. So after a while, they'll stop doing something if they can't succeed at it. And that's what I'm finding a lot of boys getting expelled and suspended in um, you know, our five-year-old settings because they've decided they can't do it. So I just kind of act out mm. my frustration that I'm a bit thick. Which we know that they're not. Yeah, of course they're not. So parent guilt is another big thing Huge. that we grapple with. <laughs> All of us, yeah. and we sort of are yeah. our, our own worst enemies Absolutely. in a lot of lot of degrees. Yeah. How do we overcome that? <laughs> I just think you need to cultivate your sense of humour and embrace bugger up moments. 
because they're the teachable moments. Um, and I'm going to tell you that, you know, I, look, I could go through the huge list of my failings. I've, you know, seriously forgotten their lunchbox lots of times. I accidentally shut their fingers in car doors and went, what did you do that for? I forgot the assembly item that they were practising, got the wrong day. Um, yeah, I forgot book week. I've, I've, I've even took one accident and took the wrong boy home from a birthday party. <laughs> So can you see I've failed in those moments, but in that day, nobody had it online. Nobody was out yes. there watching us and comparing. So the compare and despair that's now happening in the mummy world is what's created the guilt monster to be, well, I believe, unrealistic and, mm. and it's just enormous pressure. Um, and I think when we actually have some common sense it's, that's about us um, not expecting too much from the world and ourselves, especially today with so many more mums who are combining massive careers and things. I had seven years just running my husband's business and doing some volunteering. So, you know, I think there are times um, that not being hard on ourselves mm. is like number one, you know, in terms of um, personal growth. Just stop beating yourself up. Stop beating yourself up. Seriously, look, just have that extra bit of chocolate, you know, seriously, just nail it because this will go very quickly. And your children cannot learn to be resilient without you buggering up. So focus on the resilience you're building in your children. Embrace the fail. And just laugh more. <laughs> yes. Seriously, we've got boys also fart more. <laughs> Seriously, it just makes everybody laugh, doesn't it? They are pretty funny. They are pretty funny. Maggie, we love you. Thank you so much. We're going to get you back as a regular Please thing, do I think. That. because that would be lovely. For my own personal benefit more than anything. <laughs> but thank you it. for coming on to thank Honey Thank you very much. One of my favourite books when I was a kid was The Magic Pudding, the wonderful story by Australian author and artist Norman Lindsay about Bill Barnacle and his gang who come across a magic pudding that never runs out of food, changes flavour on request and demands they keep eating. And Joe Abbey, you are experiencing your very own real-life magic pudding at the moment with your neighbours. It is super awkward. So we moved into a new place this year and there's this really nice family who lives near us with young kids and they've just got the most amazing smells wafting out of their unit and nice. I'm usually too tired to cook so I'm like oh I wish they would drop off some of their dinner. Anyway one day they did. They had this beautiful little bowl and they said that it was some sort of custom from some festival that they were celebrating that they share food with their neighbours. So I thought oh this is a lovely one-off experience. Yeah, great gesture. They gave it to us. We tried it. Didn't like it, but still a lovely gesture. And my sister had taught me that it's rude to return someone's container empty. Oh, okay. She said, you've always got to put something in it. So you cooked? No, I didn't. I um, got my mum's biscuits that oh, she dropped off. And good old mum. I know. Love it. And I returned it and I thought, oh, lovely. Now we're friends. They're my neighbours. Then they dropped something else off. Oh. And it was another dish. It was a different flavour. We didn't eat it, but it was nice. So I think I filled up the container with lint balls, gave it back, thought, right, we're done. Then they came back again, (laughs) this time with cupcakes. And I just basically got a headache and thought, right, this has just now become something sweet and beautiful to another thing I have to get done. Yeah, right. And I haven't returned it. It's been sitting on my kitchen bench taunting me for a month because I don't want to return it because then it'll just come back. At you again. It's the boomerang. I can't remember how that storybook ends, but I'm pretty sure. Doesn't it chase somebody or am I thinking of the magic treacle one? I don't know. It turns into a nightmare. (laughs) It seems like a great thing and it turns into a nightmare. And it evolves into something else. But it's a lovely gesture. It was great the first two times. Okay. okay? Fourth time it's just like oh and so now I find myself trying to avoid them. So I used to sort of run out because they've got this cute little boy. But now I sort of find myself just thinking I hope they don't 
don't come out. I hope that they don't see me. You're going to have to work out a strategy here. Well, how do I end it? I mean, I think I have to move. No, no. You don't have to move. <laughs> you don't have to, have to move. move. You just have to say, look, I really love it. It's great, Jester. You're wonderful neighbours. Thank you so much. But you know what? I'm so busy. How about we just – how about we have oh. lunch or dinner again sometime, but let's not do the whole trading dinner thing. I'd feel so rude. No, just, just the way you say it. divide as well. Really? You know, so – well, just, it's either that or moving, so I think you should do that. I think moving's better. Oh, no! I'm a people pleaser. I can't have bad <laughs> conversations. I think moving is a much better option, Hey, listen, Deb. find my strategy first. <laughs> okay. And then we'll part it, look at plan B. If they react badly yeah. to me saying, don't do it again, then I'll move. Okay, good. Thank you. Mum Hacks on Honey Mums. I've been loving the tips and tricks you've been sharing with us for our new Mum Hacks segment over the past few weeks. And this week, Alyssa Warren is here to tell us about a practical trick she uses to save time in the morning. Everything helps, after all, with that morning rush. I've got two bedtime hacks that absolutely save me on a very regular basis because I need shortcuts. If bedtime can be any quicker and less painful... I will do whatever I need to because every single night my kids are surprised about putting on their pyjamas, having a shower, brushing their teeth, and we do it every night. I have four kids aged two, five, six, and eight, and I had to search for some bedtime hacks. So these are my winners. Number one, put your kids to bed in tomorrow's clothes. It's not foolproof. Sometimes their uniforms get a bit crushed. But there are days when you have to leave for work early or school or whatever. Life should do it. It takes about five minutes at night. You just pop it on instead of the pyjamas and it saves you about 10 minutes in the morning and my brain from all that yelling because I don't know about you but I pretty much spent all morning yelling at my kids and that's just one less thing that I need to yell at them about. Number two, make the beds twice so this takes a little explaining but stay with me so you make their bed as usual so most people use a waterproof mattress then put the sheets down and the top sheet and then make it again so put another waterproof mattress over the top and then put the sheets on top sometimes i also use those um those waterproof mattresses that you use for kids who are toilet training you can just whip them off and the bed is made. So if they do a vomit or a wee or whatever mystery thing happens in the night to your kids, you just strip the bed and it is already made. And life with a few extra minutes of sleep for any mum is very welcome. Welcome for me and I'm sure very welcome to you. So um, that's a really good one for making sure things are a little more efficient when you need the time at night. Alyssa, thank you. And if you have a mum hack, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to honeymums at nine.com.au. My kids are counting down until Christmas. They are super excited at the thought of Santa bringing all of those presents. But I thought I'd ask them if you could custom make your own celebration, something perhaps to rival Christmas or even your own birthday, what would it be? So, Darth, if you could create your very own celebration, which would maybe be even better than a birthday or better than Christmas, what would you create and what would you call it? I would create Banana Day. Banana Day? Yeah. Why? Because all the people in Banana Land will get presents and if you eat a banana, you get sentenced to death. 
Okay, happy banana day. So, Elsa, if you could create your very own holiday, what do you reckon you might want to do? I would want to do like Christmas plus Halloween plus Easter and plus my birthday. So, all of them combined in one. Mm-hmm. What would you call it? Um, everything. An everything celebration. So, would you? How long would this go for? It will go for two months. Two months. Wow. When would you want to start this? Um, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. All right. Let's have the everything celebration starting tomorrow. Bye. Happy everything. So, Audrey. Yes. Are you excited about Christmas? <laughs> are you? Yes. And what else? Do you like your birthday? Happy birthday to you. Okay. <laughs> it's your birthday soon. When is your birthday? January. January. And how old will you be? Three. Yay, three. If you could have your very own party, what would you have? A birthday or Christmas? Which one? Christmas. Christmas, yeah. Christmas will be fun, huh? Thanks, Audie. The following podcast is rated F for fail. Hello, I'm Shelley Horton from Nine Honey and I hate failing. Most people do, but I really want to get better at it. So I've chatted to some of Australia's most successful women about moments in their career and personal lives where they've come an absolute cropper and rather than pull the doona over their head and never come out again, they bounce back. Hit subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast app and strap yourself in for a whole lot of failing fabulously. So at my place, I've got a lemon tree that's a little bit sad. It's got a few lemons on it, but I struggle to really get heaps of fruit. But when they're in season, they're fabulous. However, Jodie Allen from the Stay at Home Mom, you've got some wonderful ideas on things I would never thought about for using lemon and lemon peel. Yep. So this is a little bit outside the square, but um, very good uses for lemons. And there's a little hint, if you want your lemons to grow well, get the little boys to pee on them. Okay. Makes I'll huge, give that a try. <laughs> <laughs> the first one um, is to put half a lemon in your dishwasher. Just when you're doing a normal wash, it saves it from getting bad breath. It makes your dishes smell beautiful. Ah. Um, and you don't get manky bits all over your dishes. It all ends up in the bottom. And so it doesn't damage the dishwasher? No, it does nothing. That's it's cool. It's beautiful. And it's just a nice way to make your house smell nice as well. Beautiful. Uh, next one is to make an all-purpose cleaner, which I use both lemons, limes and oranges for this. So you cut all the rind off, plonk them in a jar, fill it up full of vinegar, and then just let it sit for a couple of weeks. So it, you know, and it really infuses, pop it into a little spray bottle and then it's your all-purpose cleaner. Ah, oh, fantastic. So a little citrus vinegar cleaning spray. That's right, easy, natural, uh, just absolutely beautiful. That is a good it's one. One of my favourites. Uh, and this one is nifty. I actually read this one. This one's not one that I've come up with on my own. Oh, so you've, you've admitted to it. I love oh, it though. Yeah, That's good. I'll admit it. Keeping um, it real. Cut them in half, pull out all the, the lemon pulp and then plant your seedlings in it. So you can bring them up a little bit and then you can pop them straight in the garden. They've got a little bit of fertiliser. It's all natural. That's amazing. Amazing. So yeah. it's actually a self-feeding whole shebang. That's right. You know, you can buy those little biodegradable pots, but you can use a lemon and you don't have to buy that in the first place. Fantastic. Cheap and easy and effective ways of using lemons. What can't you do, Jody? <laughs> Goodness me. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Hi everyone, Jane DeGraff here, Nine Honey's food editor. And not to alarm you, but Christmas is on its way. And that means that the kids are bringing home candy canes from school, all those things you don't want them to eat and you're looking for ways to entertain them. I feel like candy canes are a little bit magical. Even if you don't buy them, they just multiply overnight in the house, probably because the kids keep bringing them home from school. But they do feel a little bit magic and Christmassy. So here are two really easy things you can do with candy canes to make them a little bit more magic. And basically, we're going to turn them into the topping for two really great treats that you can hand out as presents to teachers, take to a party, or just use as an afternoon snack. The first one is candy cane unicorn bark. Now, you've probably heard about unicorn bark. It's the easiest trick in the world and the kids can get involved. All you need is some milk chocolate and some white chocolate. You can use whatever quantities you like, and it's as simple as melting them separately in the microwave, popping them in a lined baking tray and making beautiful swirly patterns in the top. The trick here is to use up your candy canes by sticking them in a Ziploc plastic bag, giving them a good smash with a rolling pin. The kids love this trick. And then using the crushed up candy cane to sprinkle over the top of your chocolate, Pop it all in the fridge to set and then when it's done, all you need to do is take it out, break it up and give it away as treats. It's fantastic. The kids can do it and it only takes 10 minutes. The next one takes a tiny bit more work, but it's a lot of fun. And again, the kids love doing it. It's candy cane after dinner mint slice. And you've probably got everything in your cupboard for it already. So first up, you need to make the slice base. So get your tray, line it with some baking paper. And then all you need is some self-raising flour, some shredded coconut, some cocoa powder, brown sugar, and some melted butter. You pop that all in the blender, whiz it up until it's like fine breadcrumbs, then tip it into your baking tray. And then this is where you get the kids involved. You get their little fingers to push it down into the tray until it's nice and firm. They love putting their fingers into this stuff. Once that's done, pop it in the oven, bake it for 15 minutes. While it's cooking, all you need to do is make the topping, which is just some melted kofa, some icing sugar, some milk, and then more crushed candy cane. You mix it all together, except for the candy cane, spread it over the top of the baked base, and then sprinkle on your candy cane like beautiful peppermint dust, pop it in the fridge, take it out and slice it up. Again, it's something that the kids can decorate. It doesn't take very long and it makes a fantastic gift whenever you need to go anywhere before Christmas. So there you have it, two really easy treats to use up all those multitudes of candy canes that are coming home. For the recipes, head to ninehoney.com.au and Merry Christmas. Now, we know Santa is real. There is no disputing the existence of the man in red. But what do you do at your place to help keep the Christmas dream alive? Since there's no snow at our place, we use flour to show the footprints from the reindeer. So how about you? So in our house, Elf on the Shelf comes very grudgingly. On December 1, Elf on the Shelf then has to play a trick or do something funny every single night until Christmas night. So the problem with the Elf on the Shelf, which the kids believe uh, is there to make sure that uh, they're well behaving and that that the Elf will go back and tell Santa about it, is that every night you wake up in a cold sweat at about 5am realising that you have forgotten to move the goddamn Elf on the Shelf. Well, what we do at our place is I have my husband run through the backyard in a Santa outfit just as I'm putting the kids to bed and they go to sleep straight away. Each Christmas we usually receive at least a few calls from Santa because one of the children are not eating their dinner or are fighting with each other. So then when they hear us on the phone to Santa, it's very, very real. We use Elf on the Shelf as our little technique uh, to get our son to do his daily chores. It's really effective. Share your stories on our Nine Honey Facebook page or our Honey Mums email, honeymums at nine.com.au. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and get more great advice and information on the Nine Honey website. And we'll hear more stories on parenting next week on Honey Mums.